This episode of Ain't That Swell is brought to you by our long-term legendary partners, Billabong. Billabong, far out. Just, fuck, how iconic can you get? Uh, they've got a new collection out. It's called the Bad Dog Collection. And uh, you can unleash your inner 90s with this collection, fusing the essence of the oversized era into timeless workwear styling. So... They've kind of uh, comboed up here, 90s style, into stuff that you can wear at work. You know that Credo's got his mitts all over this thing. This is uh, some really good shit. Jump on billabong.com to check it out and support the companies that help keep the Swellians running, mate. Billabong have been with us since day one. They were a very first support partner. We can't do this without them. Big thanks to the legends. On you, the bong. Up the bong. Yeah. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say... And I ASB are going to find me because I want to be a part of this fucking jump wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their, his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the whoop, drop down, say, bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did travel some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table thing? Oh, surf looks good, Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back. <laughs> Get a haircut. Yes, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and barnies. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking sick, mate. Mm, sick like Dunga. Sick. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Piece Award-winning surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey. The Sultan of Psilocybin, the Maestro of Micro Dosing, Smeevy. And I'm joined here as always by my little co-host and friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Surfing World Magazine, Tracks Magazine, and Waves Magazine, Vaughn Rinsed Corn Deadly. G'day, Smithy. Hey. Vaughn, it's been a frenetic few weeks since we were last on the air. Plenty Mm. has transpired. Hasn't it? In the global surf scene. Yep. Plenty has has transpired in the global surf scene, Smithy. Plenty has transpired between my ears scene at uh, Splendor in the Grass, where I saw you, mate, during, was it the Pinyao set, or was it Little... What was that chick's name? Little Sims. Yes. That was fun. Yeah, what a... Where'd you go out there? Yeah, I had a hell of a time. Uh... Oh, in fact, I'm glad you brought it up because I was just overwhelmed by the bizarre paradox of the modern music festival mm. experience. A situation in which the entire thing came from drugs. Like the fest the idea that birthed the festival, basically all the bands, <laughs> all of the artwork in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's all gestated from drug inducing Genius. Mm. And yet uh, there is just one place where drugs is discouraged, and that's the thin blue line as you're entering the festival before. You get in there, you can fucking fist yourself, you can train wreck yourself, you can do whatever the <laughs> fuck you want to yourself. And once you're in there, there's a little TP set up for you to go in and wallop <laughs> yourself with horse <laughs> tranquilizer and just pack cooks down your gullet like nobody's business. Mm. And it just seems so odd to me that... Uh, 
drugs are illegal and still stigmatized in this one remaining little bastion mm. of society. And you know where it is? It's at the front gate. And I, I was walking out to get some stuff from the car and I saw this poor this poor bugger, mate, 19, heading in to have a hell time with his mates, sniffer dog just up him like you fucking cannot believe, just like nose buried that far up his cord. He must have pushed him deep, Smithy, because oh. he felt the cold sting of that dog nose right up the cracker. Mm. And, um, yeah, mate, jeez, I felt bad for him. I was like, this poor bastard, he's just, he's all he's about is just sharing the love with his mates. And uh, here he is, copping a fine, has to go to court. God knows what. I don't know what the process is. It'll be days. a section it's, ten, just some fucking pointless just, oh. chewing up of resources in and the judicial like, system. Know, harmless Grom, just out for a bit of fun. Like, yeah, it was a tough. I felt, I felt for him. Mate, Big the time. whole thing is harmless. That's the thing. Like, you get inside there, everyone's fucking chockers. I don't know fucking who brought the mudload in their <laughs> prolapse cornhole, but someone. Did a massive for the boys and the girls because everyone <laughs> was fucking gurney. Uh, it was an absolute gurn fest in there. Yeah. Uh, and, and But as a result, like the happiest, funnest crowd, mm. uh, you know, as soon as you remove alcohol as the predominant drug of choice mm. and it becomes MDMA and ketamine and marijuana and, uh, you know, LSD and uh, mushrooms, like it, immediately the, the festival takes on this like cosmic... Uh, friendly, you know, much more lucid mm. state of being. And, and it's a, undeniably a better. Collective state of being. Yeah. You're not sort of on your own program and, and sort of getting a bit of stink nose and you're back up over just meaningless nonsense. You, you're there to connect. Mm. And uh, you're connecting with the music, you're connecting with the peeps, connecting with a heap of swellians out there. Woo! A few torch swellians out there, Smithy. And uh, Gussie, mate, if you're listening... Best on ground. You were incredible, mate. And, uh, big shout out to you. And uh, there's a few I met, often in urinals. Don't know why, but Swillians love to say good day in urinals. Is that, is that a thing? Have you encountered that? Yeah, a bit of yeah. Uh, you know, shooting the, the urinal puck around. Yeah. Sure. A couple of sword fights with the Swillians. All a bit of, bit of harmless fun, Smith. Just watch the Shears crew. Uh, but yeah, good time, Smith. Good to see you out there, mate. It was a good time. Finger bang. Tyler Wright overcomes some long period energy mm. to get a solid result at J-Bay. Uh, this is what she had to say, Vaughan, uh, following one of her heat wins. I was kind of worried I was getting my period during the heat. Had some mild cramping. It was meant to come through yesterday, but it was a day late. Mm. And, uh, I mean, just classic Tyler, isn't it? Just another piece of bravery, of vulnerability, of just that signature... Tyler Wright, honesty, you know, she pulls no punches. Mm. The Culbara, hashtag queen. <laughs> you know that much at this point of mm. uh, her career. And, you know, I for one commend it. I oh, think it's great. I, I just thought uh, uh, a great share, not an overshare, not at all. And I, I really I also kind of thought, got me thinking about, you know, just again, just you always kind of got to look to the, the women in society to really take the lead on. Everything that's important, mm. the suffragettes, the uh, you know, getting rid of lead from paint, like mm-hmm. it's endless. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, I just thought, yeah, I think male surfers could, could really learn a lot from Tyler. And, For sure. Uh, For sure. You know, we talk a lot about mental health issues on this program, yeah. physical health issues, you know, confidence, grit. But, Vaughn, there remains one topic that's still off the table mm. poo pains. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, mm. I mean, 
you know the vibe. I mean, you know, oh, Poupains, well. uh, especially for world tour surfers, mm. they've travelled halfway around the world. They're all clogged up from the plane food, Ooh. the weird jet lag. Suddenly yeah. the comp's been called on. Uh, you know, your first heat, you smash a bean, you start limbering up, and for the first time in days, you feel a few bubbles and warbles in the gut. <laughs> Uh, but there's no time now. You, you know what's uh, coming, but you're already in your steamer on the sand and the world's watching. What do you do, Vaughn? You just you can't just disappear into the dunes and dig a hole. Mm. Uh, you got to cradle that baby and deal with the contractions, keep your composure, and get the W. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm feeling you, mate. Uh, Where's the sharing of poo paint? I know, I know. I, mean, I looked into starting some kind of social media Hashtag campaign to, to raise the awareness of poo pains mm. on the back of Tyler's share. Mm. Hashtag me too. Gone. Mm. Hashtag me poo. That's what I went with. Oh, yeah. Nice one. So if you uh, want to jump on the hashtag me poo, you'll see me and Vaughn in a number of uh, you know situations in which we're caught in the vice of poo pains. I think everyone's got a couple of stories, mate. Everyone has. Everyone knows that pain. So it's a, it's a relatable thing, but yeah. To get to your point, Smithy, like I back it heavily. I think uh, it totally d- just destroys that sort of post-heat banter of, you know, oh, I'm just uh, building house, you know, uh, one heat at a time. Like, I mean, you know, why not just be completely open and human about your experience of it? It's not talked about in women's sport at all, which is just unbelievable. I mean, the, the physical discomfort and trauma of, uh, you know, a hectic... Period, let alone something. A hectic bleed. Yeah, just say just, it. It's just, uh, it's. Tolerance, say it. Tolerant go I there. agree. I totally agree. And I, I just like that, you know, in this world where everyone's complaining about surfers being homogenized and pasteurized and vanillaized up the wazoo, someone comes out, talks about an actual issue that definitely has the potential to affect performance. And, like, I don't know about you, but there was a lot of kind of scrunched up noses and people kind of... Really? Yeah. I, I, there was people all over the shop sort of going, oh, what's this about? It's oh, a bit much. Go, yeah, and I was going... I need to know of uh, Tyler the two-time Tyler's menstrual cycles. Well, well, I think we do, Vaughn. Well, I back it heavily because, I mean, how many times during uh, events have women won events with this sort of pain and discomfort? Like, men don't have to suffer that sort of thing. Well, hey, hey. Do they? Let's not go too far. I mean, we just mentioned uh, hashtag me poo, and I could, can imagine, uh, you know, Ethan Ewing, uh, Jack Robbo, you know, coming out of this mm. starchy Australian diet thrown into the uh, bubbling cauldron of El Salvador and you know, just packing hot nuggets yeah. in their gut yeah. while they're winning heats and mm. being too ashamed, too afraid to share the pain yeah. that they're going through mm. in the post. I think it paves the way for that, Vaughn. I think it we're, does. we're entering a brave new well, I just, world I was just of honesty and vulnerability. You know, like what, 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 other than me poo, like what, where does the man, where, how does a man comment on this reliably or in, in a way that's informed other than through empathy or understanding and just knowing that fucking this is something that is a real world problem that people have to fucking deal with. Mm. Like that's why I don't get the scrunchy nose stuff. I'm, I'm not down with it. I thought the only thing, it might be refreshing as well. You know, I was thinking of like, I don't know, Griffin, Cola Pinto, for example, you know, post-heat interview, someone saying to him, you know, what, what was going on out there, mate? You didn't see yourself. You, you looked a little bit stiff. You looked a little, he was going, yeah, look, I've, I haven't shut like, in days, mate. I, 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 I was thinking he might, he might go down that road of, of more like, um, look, I, I, I hooked up last night. Mm. Big dry root and sesh. Didn't oh, get the shot away. The blue balls. Exactly. Yes. But that's that's the only thing that, you know, that this is not, this is apples and oranges. But I'm saying, 
wouldn't that be a refreshing way to talk about your heat and mm. the different things that can affect you during your heat? It's more human and it's more relatable and I can get behind it. So, yeah, back at it, Smithy. I agree, yeah. There does seem to be some kind of a wowserish reaction to any sort of chat or ailments or injuries that affect the nether regions. Mm. But, uh, Vaughan, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy to boldly go where a few men have gone before and well, stick my nose fair into this case and merely get deep into the muck. Yep. Yeah. And understand this a bit a bit more. Smitty, I don't know if you caught the story. It was on Beach Grit. But uh did you see the uh the incident at the Munich standing wave during the week? Uh I I, I didn't, but oh I heard about God. this. Please oh my go God. On. Oh well, uh they've they've you know got the crowd there. I don't know it was an I think it was might have actually been an event in the Munich stationary wave, you know, the one that's in the city there made famous by uh every surfer who's who's been there and had a crack at it. Um, but yeah, this this guy he, he layers up. He's probably had a few tins. He uh, takes his clobber off. He's he grabs the board, and there's a little rail that goes down into the water, and he tries to do that Aussie right trick. Yeah, you know the board slide. Oh, and we, and it, we know how that ended. Oh, guess what he did? He ripped his cock off. No, he did. If not the cock, then definitely the pouch. He is pouchless, my friend. He just clipped it on the on the end. Worst place possible, he falls into the river. It's impossible to watch. Hectic. Wow. <laughs> oh, and um, Derek Riley, you know, not one to miss an opportunity to really put some sting into an already painful situation. And uh, he, uh, I think he, he, what did he do? He, he added a, a classic chapter or, or passage from a, a Hemingway novel about a, a man who... Who loses the junk, and uh, it's 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 a hard read, mate. Not yeah, gonna lie. it reminds me of that story. The only other person I've ever heard of losing their appendage. Uh, I may have told it on the podcast before. Mm. It was relayed from the emergency nurse uh, at St. Vinnie's, who will remain nameless, but mm. it was a a poor sod who showed up. Uh, on day three of a meth bender with a marine grade cock ring stuck to his dick and a, a penis that looked like fried capsicum. And uh, yeah, he just said, Look, uh, you know, what do I do here? And uh, I, I can't get this cock ring off. I've been fucking going hammer and tong for days. How do I get this thing off? Oh, no. So uh, it was left to Too the late. nurses to break out the grinder and get rid of the cock ring. And, uh, yeah. Nerve damage. Sadly, uh, it was uh, all she wrote. The, mm. the Willie had seen better days, and it was off with his end bit. Oh, gosh. Wow. What a way to start the show, mate. <laughs> wow. Oh, anyway, look, I'll... I'll uh, so I'll, just to be clear on this yeah. beach grit, uh, this, this German mm. standing river wave, and it wasn't Marlon Lipke or Nick no, Von No, 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 not that I know of. I don't think any of the uh, German or, or German-born representatives... Student, no. Portuguese-based German-born Olympic mm. qualifiers. I don't think any of those guys will be uh, taking part. Although, it does open that chapter again, doesn't it? It does open Ooh. that trans yeah. convo, you know. I mean, if, if it's an accident that happens in front of the world like this, can you really? Oh, jeez. Oh, I'm not going to go there. Nah. Number four. Dane Reynolds nearly decapitated by a glass door. Wow. Born plenty of blood and guts in this mm. episode. Uh 
Yeah, this one was gnarly. Uh, I mean, far out, as close to, to death as the Venturians ever come, I'd yeah. imagine. Uh, definitely, I mean, the guy's famous for surfing four-foot waves, so definitely doesn't really risk the biscuit and waves of Conequence. Although he did get that one skits on a pipe in the first chapter. But, uh, yeah, this thing was gnarly. So this is what he had to say about it. It's like the Widowmaker I never knew existed. We were getting boards ready on the morning of the best day of the swell, and there's a little palapa across the street. We've been getting food there the whole trip and actually laughing about this weird door. There's only open-air windows in the place, but they have a sliding glass door. They kept closing it, even though it didn't seal the place at all. We just thought it was funny. And mm. on the morning of the swell, everybody was getting their stuff ready, and I walked across the street to go use the bathroom at the palapa and uh, didn't see the glass door. So, yeah, the glass door just shatters all over his head and face. And uh, uh, this is the aftermath. It was so strange. It wasn't even painful. At mm. first, I was just embarrassed. And then my forehead started shooting blood. I was just telling my friends to go surf, not knowing how bad it was going to get. They were all saying, nah, dude, you're going to the hospital. I was so grateful. It's just something I never thought of that could kill you. But it was really gnarly. The glass cut so sharp and deep, I guess it chopped a nerve and heads bleed a lot. Mm, and uh, they do. next minute, he's out there in roping sand bottom pits on what looks like some kind of current era flat rocket contraption. Mm, mm. Stuff in his face, like getting properly tubed in a swimming cap. Mm. Uh, which, you know, far out with a deep head wound. I don't know if I'd necessarily be recommending you to go surf a, a Mexican brown water river mouth or point break whatever the fuck it was but jeez mm. he's oh, uh, mate. taking some serious risks Look, there I feel like watching someone walk into a door I mean usually it's one of the funniest things that you can witness like other than someone walking into a spider web from the other side of a footy field where you can't see the spider web and they walk in just start you know going ballistic uh, so normally I would say that walking into doors is is incredibly fun for everyone else who watches you do it uh, not the case this time around for uh, poor old Dane, but the swimming cap, it got me thinking, Smithy. There's such a good marketing opportunity here for uh, former. Imagine like a former times Michael Phelps swimming cap gator buge combo that you could sell to stoners all around the world. Surely between the two of them, Dane Reynolds and Michael Phelps, you, you're going to reach a few people. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Phelps, the guy was on the back of the Wheaties packet. Neck minute, he's just lunging this giant. giant. <laughs> he's just a romper. Uh, well, he's the most winning Olympian of all time, I'm pretty sure. He's got yeah, more oh, medals than anyone else. Uh, most winning uh, stoner of all time. There's no oh, doubt about that. What a legend. And um, then I was thinking, what about uh, Ando? Ando could do uh, an Australian slash Dawn Fraser swimming capped, cropped, dandy leg pant. Interesting. Thoughts? Yeah. Why not pounce on this? I mean, no one has tapped into this swimming cap market for a long, long time. Trying to, do you remember? That def, it's definitely happened. I think Curran might have even done it once years ago. Um, but if all else fails and uh, former fail to capitalise on this incredible opportunity, what about Gath, mate? Gath, there's no time, there's no place where gath is inappropriate. And Dane Reynolds has learnt that the hard way, Smithy. If he'd been wearing a gath, would he have been sliced open in this weird Mexican outpost? Yeah, I mean, it's about time gath released another product. It's been a good, uh, well, I don't know, 30 mm. years since they've put anything on the market. 
Um, and I mean, the swimming cap, yeah, it, it has a place in surfing. There's no doubt mm. about it. I mean, ugh, I've just you see people popping up on your social media feeds on the regular, getting their ears drilled. Uh, you know, it's a fucking gnarly procedure, mm. the, the surfer's ear procedure, so you can get rid of that putrid fungal water from your inner yeah. ear cavity. I assume a, a swimming cap with, you know, some plugs would help that. Uh, you know, Jamie O'Brien um, spent many years as a grom with a, a swimming cap taped to his That's head. That's right. That's what I was thinking of, J-O-B. And, mm. yeah, I mean, perforated eardrums are a really common one in surfing. I can remember being on a trip with Connor Coff and no can, to No Can Dewey's when he perforated his eardrums, like day two of the trip, and we pretty much lost yep. the best surfer on the trip. For the rest of the trip, I mean, he did guts it out with an earplug, but those earplugs are fucking mm. pretty average at the best of times. Yep. So, yep. yeah, the swimming cap, it's just a weird thing that surfing is so just caught up in aesthetics all the time. You know, it has a real problem with functional equipment that looks a bit weird. Mm. You know, the the kind of full bodysuit, sunglass, some kind of good sunglass uh, prototype to keep the sun out of your eyeballs and off your skin mm. is a, an obvious one that's never really taken off. So instead, we're just all looking way weathered beyond our years. We're Which bleeding is totally ironic. Giant in our ear holes. It's weird because, I mean, a, a wetsuit, like, in what other aspect of life can you walk around feeling like that's cool? Mm, unless like, you're Spider-Man or some <laughs> kind of pervert. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing, but uh, let's bring back. Well, I think maybe it's a, it's time for you and I to step up here. Get the merch store cranking again, Smivy, and uh, maybe bring out the Ain't That Swell times Dane Reynolds swimming cap. Number three. Number three. A bloke I know punches a few holes in a fat white dog of a you shark. You know this bloke? At Margaret River. Yeah, Frosty. An underground bowner ripper. Uh, got peppered by a, a Mondo. Are you white. killing me? He, got, he leaves Ballina, the shark capital of the East Coast, and gets pinned by one on the West Coast. That's what I'm saying. Oh. Fucked up. Uh, but, you know, kept his composure and gave it the good old left, right, Oof. good night. Get in there, told the cunt to get a feed elsewhere, <laughs> tell his story, and told and tell his story walking. Yeah. But, uh, mate, incredible story of survival and just composure in the most skit mm. circumstances. Full credit to him. Uh, you know, a really quality surfer, diver, waterman, and, yeah, just far out, man. Knew what to do in that situation. Mm. Uh, via Swellnet, this is what he had to say. I was sitting a bit wide of the lineup. <clears throat> Uh, or where I really should have been sitting, I think I kind of paddled out and didn't paddle up enough, so I was just kind of sitting in the channel, and then I, as I was sitting on my board, it just fucking came up and smacked me uh, from underneath, just straight underneath. I got my board back today. The fisheries officer came and dumped it. So looking at the bite marks, I think it came at me straight up from underneath. What I think happened is that it hit straight underneath, and because I was sitting up on my board, I got super lucky. It just nicked my leg. When I say nicked, Still got a good gash on my leg and a couple of puncture wounds a bit higher, but nothing crazy. Nothing like what it could have been. Uh, I've done a backflip off my board, landed in the water, and as I've surfaced, I'm thinking, what the fuck was that? It was getting into my board. It was getting into my board and mm. holding it up in the air. The shark was kind of across me. One of its pectoral fins hit me in the groin area, uh, and then I ended up sort of spinning backwards. Uh, 
not manhandled, but shouldered by it. But I just figured I'm not going to roll over for it. So I moved on to his back and started <laughs> yeah. punching him in the head a few times. I've just got the best vision of him rolling over and just sort of arm barring it yeah. with its pectoral. Oh, you, uh, you want something? Yeah. Sleep. That. Sleep. That. Uh, but yeah, he said that didn't really do much, yeah. punching it in the head. It didn't even flinch. But then he started punching it in the side towards the gills. And I must have got... One good punch in where it's touch sensitive, it's touch sensitive, and it just fucking shot down into the depths. It went quiet, and then I got back on my board. Uh, thank fuck, my leg rope wasn't in its mouth. Yeah, he just Whoa. fucking hot footed it to shore. Whoa! So if the leggy uh, had, let's see, not hit a tooth, and it had just torpedoed downwards, he could have just been trailing behind. Yeah, is that what he said? I guess so. I don't know. That's Wild. interesting. But uh, yeah, crazy story and. Uh, I got a phone call the day before that I read that story uh, from a good friend of the show who will remain nameless until he's ready to go public. But, um, yeah, he, had a, he has a wild incident with a shark. I've seen it. Caption on drone footage. I've seen it. It's, it's disgusting. Like, it's, it's, it, it, it's actually so hard to watch that you can't surf after it without thinking about it mm. because it's a bluebird day. It's as clear as anything. Like, you know that drone footage in, in um, South Africa that popped up during the comp? It's a thousand times clearer than that. And it's terrifying, mate. Like, yeah. It'll, it'll pop up at some point in the future, but um, it's, it's, it's a full-blown trauma watch for all surfers. Yeah, be careful. Mm. And, I mean, we can send a man to the moon. We can even send a fat cunt to Mars. But, well, almost. Uh, mm. And we've got these drones hovering above us. Why can't they just send us a little alert? Drop well, a little flag. I, I was just thinking, is it just time to start killing nature? Is it, is it just time? I mean, we're, we're, we're doing the slow job on it. We've, we've sort of, you know, erased all their habitats. We've basically got all this agricultural pesticide runoff just going into the ocean. They're all dying slow deaths. Mm. Maybe, maybe it's just time we pull the trigger, start shooting all this shit. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, like, just just end it. These we've used these drones to kill countless Pakistani children. Mm. Why can't we turn them on some great whites for and a few missiles out of the air? Yeah, just just <laughs> employ the uh, the the computer game generation to just uh, give them all drones, weaponized drones, and just let them go out into the ocean and start firebombing shit. It seems the only way to me. I'm sick of nature having a crack at us. Mm. But you know what they say, Smithy. Who needs enemies with friends like these? The human race, always the number one animal that should be, you know, should be decimated first and foremost. They're doing a good job at the moment. See that uh, that little Donnybrook on the sand at the US Open? I did. Mate, those two guys are not small units. No. And um, <laughs> they fucking go at it. Jeez, they're having a good close talk right at the start there too. Yeah, what was it all about? <sighs> Any insights? Have I you got mean, your cone, uh, piece, uh, cone piece humming? Just, oh, when you're in that close proximity, I can only imagine the only objection there is is how bad your fucking breath is. <laughs> yeah, bro, your breath, bro. Nah, your breath, man. Nah, 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 man. And then it's just on. It's the headbutts are brutal. Oh, man. It's like a couple of uh, hectic broken cheekbones there. Yeah. Never really lived up to the rights of 84. Nah. It seemed like no one wanted to get involved. Yeah, it's a shame. They just didn't want it enough. Nah. Uh, but yeah, those two shark incidents got me thinking also just about the the kind of risk involved in surfing. I mean, uh, the understated, underrated risk of mm. surfing. Uh, obviously, we lost a, a good good friend of the show in, in MJ McCarla Jones a few weeks back. 
Um, to a, a freak accident mm. of sorts, you know, a, a, a fin chop um, that cut the femoral artery and he, he bled to death. And I just think that a lot of us don't fully understand. Or respect. Or respect how close surfing brings you to death. Like, mm. it's so fun and, and so frivolous 99% of the time. But, yeah, there is uh, a kind of a... A real perilous aspect to it, and I'd almost guarantee that no one is prepared for when that goes mm. down, uh, whether it be a shark attack, um, any, any kind of serious, uh, you know, blood loss scenario mm. where the people have the, the knowledge to do something about it, tourniquets at the ready, uh, stuff like that. Whether we even really know what we're up against in terms of, uh, especially with, with, with the threat of sharks, the, the what's the data saying, where is it at, um, you know, what are the mitigation strategies we can employ yeah. ourselves. Uh, yeah. I feel like we're, we're pretty far off the pace in terms of just making surfing a bit safer. Yeah, well, uh, funny you say that because surfing New South, well, actually I think surfing Victoria might have initiated it, but now surfing New South Wales, surfing Queensland, Surfing Australia across the board, I think they've initiated like a, a first response program that helps surfer, that any, any surfing can do. I think you can just get online, go to one of the, the Surfing Australia website, it'll, it'll filter you into, you know, a program that's near you. But it's all about having those skills and, and educating because nine times out of 10, most ocean going disasters that are on the coast are going to be first responders surfers and I'm, when i say ocean disaster i'm clearly not talking about fucking cruise ships b- crashing into each other or getting stranded but you know people caught in rips uh people found in a state of unconsciousness all these sorts of things are uh, yeah wounded uh all of that is dealt with in these in these programs that have been developed by you know the same uh, administration and organizations that are helping facilitate surfing as, as a culturally healthy lifestyle so it's worth checking out smithy and i think you're right that's uh it's it's kind of like someone noticed that in the statistics it's surfers who are usually the first ones there and having just a little bit of knowledge helps to save lives bro mm. and it's crazy how many ways you can come across a surfing you know i guess mm. uh you know shallow sand being oh, banks what, uh, what are some of your i mean i know you've been whacked by other people's boards and yeah, that's because fractured serious, skull yeah. bleeding on the brain couple nights but what about like care? those ones those like less the insidious ones that you don't see yeah. coming like just uh, the board in the face that, well, that's the classic like just, yeah fucking cut my nostril off uh you know seven stitches in the face destroyed my nose, pushed my cheekbone yeah. in. Like, that's just a classic. Yeah. Everyone cops a board in the face at some point, don't they? Yeah. I, I jumped off a board uh, when I was a grom, just lazily, like, head first went off and just head butted the sand, snapped my nose, like, big bald patch in the top of my head when I had hair, and I uh, couldn't walk for, like, a week. I was just gone. And then, yeah, cuts, bruises. I uh, had my leggy wrap around my neck and just pull, like, like it was squeezing wow. a pimple and just fully... <laughs> Fully, like, pinched my whole face and slid off eventually. Like, it didn't get sort of caught on anything. But the pressure of it, you know when that happens to your foot or your arm, mm. how painful it is. This happened to my face, man. It was fucking outrageous pain. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, uh, not an injury, but 
unbelievable, like, how bad it's done. Yeah, and uh, just a, a couple of rattle off of, of me and other people, uh, you know, landing on shallow bits of rock on my ass, mm. like, nearly getting corned. I had a friend who got properly corned and yeah. punctured, like, uh, right up his cornhole. It had a big tongue that flopped out of his bum like a, I don't know what it was, a col- like his colon or something slopped mm. out. He was... Uh, in a colostomy bag for three months in a Portuguese hospital. Uh, Luke oh. Kennedy, the former tracks editor, coming in at sunset, oh. snapping his Up board in the, uh, in the shore and, and cutting his jugular and, and oh. very nearly bleeding out on the yeah. beach. And there. wasn't that Ross Clark Jones who just put his hands straight in the hole and just gripped it all and held it together? Right? Wow. Pretty sure. Uh, Senator, surfing Senator Peter Wish Wilson on the show talking about, yeah. you know, similar to MJ getting a, a fin chop. Uh, in his arm, I believe it was, nearly bleeding out on a remote beach in Tassie, having to tourniquet himself. Man, it's endless. And they're very, you know, uh, Darren Longbottom, Dylan's brother, yep. um, kicking out of a wave like you did, Vaughn, and mm. uh, in the men's, I think it was, and landing headfirst on his board, um, paralyzed from yep. the legs down, or yep. uh, maybe even like higher than that. So, yeah, there's just. I guess a lot of ways in which you can get hurt. Another classic is just like people uh, duck diving or, mm. I mean, Tamayo Perry getting scalped at pipe by a, a bodgy duck dive. Someone yep. just let fly aboard in the pit as he was oh. cruising a victory, took his fucking top of his head Mate, off. It's time to stop surfing. It's time to stop. Well, it's time to be very <laughs> cautious. It's time yeah. to be very grateful It's, it's uh, for the, the moments where you, you're not injured and hurt. And it, it's time to yeah, properly understand the risks. I think there's a lot of people who are new to surfing mm. who don't properly understand how dangerous they are on that piece yeah. of fiberglass, what they can do to other people by being negligent. Um, and that's not something you'll understand until you fucking crease someone mm. uh, or get creased. And then you're like, oh, wow, this isn't as safe as I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that situation is is only made more dangerous by being in conditions that you're, you're not up, up for. And mm. Yeah, so it's the only sport I can think of where you can be a total beginner and put yourself into a, an expert arena mm. and A, be fine. Like, people will let you do that. You're probably going to survive. Mm. But the risk, the percentages of you causing yourself or, or someone else, more importantly, serious harm, are, mm. are super high. And yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. I feel like any kind of sport as dangerous as surfing, um, where a beginner is entering the expert arena, like you know, I think football or boxing or cricket or almost any sport, like you, mm. you can't be a beginner and, and go and compete with advanced people because yeah. you just get fucking hurt by other humans mm. in seconds mm. you're gone you're mm. off yeah yeah it's true surfing uh it kind of permits it and yeah it's a bit of a clusterfuck out there it's it's crazy actually the story with mj you know for him to go that way and i don't know the full circumstances around whose fin it was that hit him mm. or, or i'm assuming it's his own yeah but like there was a guy who really understood the risks uh, and went to crazy lengths to get away from people in mm. waves of consequence because he knew that, like, the chances of, of someone else fucking him or stuffing yeah. him were pretty high. So he would, you know, surf obscure, often suspect, like, semi-unsurfable mm. death slabs just to get away from people and back yeah. his own skill yeah. and judgment. And also, you know, the amount of preparation and, and knowing that those sorts of things could have happened, like, when you're just in such remote areas on your own. So he would have had backup plans for all of that. 
in, during all that travel, which makes it even more just fucking mind-boggling. Mate, and that's a, a, another part of the equation is the remoteness of all of these spots. Are you know, I'm thinking of Sandy Ryan now getting, uh, you know, his ribs cracked and lung punctured and nearly uh, dying there on uh, a remote stretch of coastline. <clears throat> On the southern coast of Australia, I think mm. Marty Paradisus and a few other crew had to yeah. carry him out. Like crew on the right, mate. Oh, Kirby Brown in the middle of God knows where. Like literally, could be on Mars. Yeah, like cracking his neck and fucking fusing up all those vertebrae and being, you know, struggling to get back in the water and back to top gear ever since. Brendan Newton Wild. face planting on that fucking mutant orb. Mm. Yeah, and just so far from anywhere where you're going to get help. So. Yeah, surfing, it's a weird one. It's its so beautiful and pleasant. You really get lulled into a false sense of yeah. security with surfing more than almost any pastime yeah. I can think of. Well, mate, I reckon two-foot pass is one of the most dangerous waves in the 100%. world. 100%. A kid died Easy. there, right? Got his skull crushed by a longboard and oh, gone. Yeah, I think it's had a few, it's had a few uh, deaths out the past. So, I mean... Yeah, you're dead right, man. It's it's almost like the the easier or the more welcoming the scenario is, the more you're letting your guard down. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's just that's a recipe for fucking disaster. And the flip side of all this is, I heard a, a quote interestingly from an ex rugby league player, James Graham, saying, uh, you know, obviously rugby league's in the headlines with all the head knocks mm. and, and you know players being asked whether they want to continue playing this sport, uh, given that they now know what CTE is and the, the likelihood of getting it. And most of them say they wouldn't change a thing mm. because, in James Graham's words, uh, you know, the things that give life meaning uh, are worth dying for, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, like, uh, that's really what the tug of life is, that weird paradox between giving yourself purpose and meaning and testing your skills and creating a situation um, where there's room for personal growth uh, in, in the mental, physical mm. and spiritual sense. Yeah. But that thing that's going to have all that magnetism about it is also probably pretty dangerous and a, a, a possibility of killing you yeah. or seriously hurting you. And how common is it? How common is that? Like whether it's skiing and snowboarding or yeah. trekking well, and I guess, yeah, mountain climbing, BMX right, bike riding. Yeah. It's kind of an endless list of every mm. thrill-seeking, really like captivating pastime mm. has that element of, of risk and death attached to it. For sure. Yeah, I think that's... Uh it's. I guess it's just kind of got to do with that rush of of you of what you feel when you conquer something. You know, like uh, it's not necessarily conquering the elements or conquering that, but just conquering that thing inside you that says you can't do this or you're not good enough or whatever. And you you get to that point and that feeling of euphoria that you get. It it comes from a place of like uh, like stepping into your fear and leaning into the things that make you feel uncomfortable, and it it's. It's a rush, man. And I guess, like, you know, as much as you're trying really hard in your life to find ways to make sure that rush is a healthy experience and not uh, detrimental, like, mm. it's still the thing that drives you to keep paddling back out. Like, you're not doing it because it's fucking just good for you. You're doing it because you get something insanely satisfying out of it. Mm. And usually that's a feeling of, like, a heightened sense of, of enjoyment of, of your experience of living, isn't it? Mm. It's often that final wave, that, that, that 
last time that you paddle out when you kind of knew you should have gone in the wave before. Oh, that's the one. That's always it's when you get always hot. always that one. And that's actually what happened to Frosty. You mm. kind of ha- the conditions were subpar. Uh, he, he got one that he thought he should have gone in on, but it was a shit one. So he wanted to go back out and get the better one. When the, I got corned. The greed, bruh. The greed. Yeah. It, it, there's something Brendan about Newton, it. another yeah. classic example, got the wave of his fucking life, the wave of several lifetimes, yeah. spat out, squeaky clean, and just thought he'd ride his luck one too many times mm. and, and nearly died on the yeah. very next one. It's like you get these little inklings from the universe. Isn't that to weird, pack man? it up and That's go in. That's such a sixth sense, isn't it? Like, and like, that is every single one of us knows that's how it is. Like We know. As soon as you tell yourself... One more. You can almost guarantee you're not going to get one more. Almost guarantee it. Which is so weird because, like, it's not like a – it's not a greedy thing. It's not coming from a place of, like, I need more. Not I get Well, fuck, I guess that's exactly where it's coming from. But it's not necessarily how it feels at the time. You're going, oh, yeah, looking at the clock, like, ah, oh, fuck it, I've got time for one more. You know what I mean? It's not always just about, oh, I need this rush one more time. It's just like, I've got time. But at, at the end of the day, you're, you've had your feel. And your soul has told you in some moment that you weren't paying attention to, that's enough. That's it, hey. And I think that that is the lesson out of all of this is that there is a moment where you've had your feel, like you said, Mm. once once you've gotten that wave, like maybe maybe it's not exactly the wave you wanted, uh, but... you've gotten barreled or you've you've achieved some level Mm. of the goal that you were hoping to to get. Yeah. That's when you go in. Don't push your luck. I think that's the <laughs> message for, for all surfers. Oh, man. At this, at this time in history, we've yeah. sharks and crowded lineups. Just, yeah, crowds is probably the biggest Just one. Just be grateful. Don't push your luck. Be happy that you're not fucking working in a cobalt mine in the Congo. Mm-hmm. And just get a couple and be happy. Mad. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Boom. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. This house ain't no home in town. Yeah, get it, India. We're going to India. <laughs> Following the fall line, Need Essentials. Bryce Young, Opus Vaughn, it hit cool. hard, it hit very hard, and mm. uh, what a role the the Need Essentials team is on. I feel feels like everything they put out is the most premium, heartfelt, earthcore shreddery <laughs> possible, and uh, yeah. it's, it's always got this kind of classic, very Need Essentials feel to it. You know, a, a kind of cosmic pastiche of old school countercultural mm. values. Um, and then this signature brand of surfing, which it's futuristic in ways, but it, it, it's kind of reminds me of that, uh, that quote of Derek Hind about Tom Curran in, in, in searching for Tom Curran, you know, uh, like classical lines just done well, done in a, a, a futuristic way, like done with more speed, flair and, and grease than, than ever before mm. on, on the kinds of equipment you didn't even know could be surfed like mm. that. Uh, I'm thinking of Torrin and Ishka's film, Thank You, Mother. Yep. In, uh, like, all-time J-Bay riding those eight-foot moat twinnies going warp yeah. speed and, and putting together. Yeah, I just put a, a clip sequences. up the other day of um, of Torrin at Chopes. You saw that, eh, on the 5.8 moat? Twin? 
like just fully packing and uh, just such a psycho tube and incredible positioning, unbelievable surf. But yeah, just it's it's kind of like they know exactly what their team is. They know the stories they like to tell. They know what interests them. Yeah, it's definitely a it's definitely got a good feel about it, doesn't it? And they know what the audience wants, mm. which is. You know, just new approaches, new aspects to surfing, sometimes forgotten aspects to surfing. Uh, and I guess what's interesting, just noting uh, that Chopes clip of, of Toz and some of the other surfing he's done, I'm, I'm thinking of Shippies uh, on, again, like a, a mm. step up 20, just finding new positions to ride these waves that we've seen ridden to death. Mm. You know, how many more pits can we see stuffed at Chopes or Shippies uh, or elsewhere? And yet, with these tweaks to their equipment, they're able to find new entry points and get into strange positions and, and just make this wave look different mm. by surfing it completely yeah. different, finding new lines. Yep. Postmodern surfing at its greatest. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the list goes on. The, the, the Lost Track series out of Need Essentials, really good. Full blown slab fest. Uh, we had Laurie Towner dialing into the full. Gamut oh, yeah. of Aussie slabs on that classic road trip with his family. Uh, slow lane, that one was called. And now Bryce Young riding A-Sims and all manner of unconventional but futuristically functional equipment uh, to put together some of the most exhilarating surfing ever, mm. it has to be said. you know, mm. Shades of Ethan Ewing, shades of Clay Marzo. Uh, it really reminded me of Clay Marzo at times, just in that otherworldly connection to the canvas and the ability to make the impossible mm. seem easy, rhythmic, and in flow. Just an incredible surf film, yeah. man. And I don't – not many surf films make me feel anything these days mm. in that performance realm. Like, it's it's, it's reached a bit of a uh, – I don't know. There's a, a bit of monotony and, and banality to, to, to the typical surf film where, fuck, 90% of it is pretty meh and there's like a, a 10% yeah. uh, that I find – watchable yeah, yeah 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 i guess like uh well surf films uh, in general have kind of their passion projects that don't come along as often as they used to you know like you and i lived through or maybe maybe i'm even older i've got what have i got to do 10 years or something but anyway like you know i grew up in surf movies on the big screen like they'd travel like you they'd come through your town you you bought tickets you i saw surfers the movie when it came out at the Bruns Picture House and um, all down the line at Kempsey RSL, you know, like the, these were the only ways you could see these brand new films when they came out. And then it went to VHS, which was, you know, my first VHS I ever owned was a pirated copy of Filthy Habits that Matt Smith brought around one Arvo because we had the only, somehow we had a video cassette player. I've got fucking no idea where they came from. I must have been Bakshish! Bakshish! Someone owed her a bit of money or something like that to me. But um, yeah, so like, you know, the, the surf film, it, it went from just this one-off experience that you'd have with the whole tribe to watching it in your house with your best mates on VHS to, you know, basically just diminishing into little clips that you watch by yourself on a phone. So like, you know, the whole experience of watching a surf movie, it's not just about what you're watching, it's the way you're watching it. And now with these stories and these sorts of, you know, it's it's elevating back into storytelling and especially with these sorts of characters that we're seeing, the more unique and the more original they are, like Bryce, you know. I remember Navarin Fox saying to me years ago when he was just a grown up, mate, you have got to keep an eye on this guy. Like he's worth a story. Just blown away by the way that he surfed. Like 
nothing else. Just going, you've got to see this kid. He fucking surfs liars. He surfs twins. He surfs logs. He surfs them all, and he shapes a lot of them himself, and he's just a freak. And, um, yeah, sure enough, you know, he's been on a, a wild journey because it's not just about Bryce, you know. It's about his name. His old man... It, it, it it's beyond needing not needing an introduction but nat is not just you know a guy who was a child prodigy who became a world champion who uh you know was just one of the most powerful figures in surfing for four or five decades uh and an industry titan and and just larger than life a male model don't yeah, forget that male man. model on the front of vogue uh, before he got his head just fucking caved in. Oh, a couple of purple eggplants yeah. under the ice pockets. Are you kidding <laughs> but, me? But uh, then, um, yeah, like Nat is just so wild, man. And, and you know, he was on the forefront of that country film movement. He was the first guy to like go, fuck, this, this whole comp scene, this whole corpo fucking pathway we're on. I'm, I'm off it. I'm and, off it. I'm and just up he goes up the coast. Been it. Up he goes up the coast to build his little, uh, you know, hotel at Angari and <laughs> <laughs> fuck shit. Live the dream. But um, no, you know, like to be fair, you know, Bryce is, is it's, it's a lot of shadow to come out of and to do it in the way that he's done it. And even the title of this film, Four Line is um, a, a full Nat philosophy, you know, where he, he found that the purest line the purest line, whether it was surfing, snow, uh, skiing, he got wildly into. Or Bolivian ether wash. Was the fall line, mate. Mm. You know, like the, the basically the place that gives you the most speed, like the perfect position on the on the wave or the mountain or wherever. It's all about the fall line. That's where you got to be. And, that and I is love a- that, 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 that nod there is there yeah. in and, the and title of this. The fall line is essentially... Uh, it's it's the descent from a a, a high line. Mm. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it's like that's right. you, you get high, and in that moment that you are hugging that high line, generally like twin fins seem to be the best to, to kind mm. of glue yourself to that top ridge of the yeah. wave, and in that kind of drifting, almost weightless feel, that is the fall line. And uh, man, those Elias too far out when they're on a rail, and, and in that part of the way, yeah. the Bryce is getting them incredible. And the A Sims, oh man, it was an absolute smorgasbord oh. of classical it, it's shreddery. So right, it's just so fun to watch because it's so, so expressive, man. Like you're not sort of uh, you're not caged in by the performance aspects of a shortboard thruster, which you know. I've, I remember Fanny saying to me once when I had a go on one of his boards in, in in Bali during that Red Monkey Full Moon movie session. And I was riding just a little fish of his and I was loving it. And he goes, oh, let's swap boards. And I got on his board, could not ride it. Like I hadn't ridden a shorty, a modern shorty, let alone a fucking Formula One race car. And Mick was just like, mate, just surf it as hard as you can fucking surf it and it'll work. And that's what it was. Whereas like what Bryce is doing is just flow state surfing. Like, it's all about positioning and using the wave, not not just, like, fucking using every sinew in your being and every part of your body to just get the thing to fucking move. It's it's actually about just perfect positioning and, and utilising that power and harnessing it to do surfing that hasn't been done before. Mm. It's beautiful, mate. It really is. He, yeah. He's kind of reaching new realms of... High performance, rhythmic, flowy surfing. Mm. Uh, that yeah, it's hard to kind of package that up and, and sell it to the masses. Hence, why your Clay Marzos, your, your, your Dane Reynolds, your uh, Bryce Youngs kind of tend to fade off into obscurity, where they're only really known about the 
by the the core mm. kind of hardcore surf aficionados. Really made me think too watching the film just how Bryce has managed to keep himself off the radar, mm. you know, out of the public eye. Like for a guy who's pretty well in the top handful of surfers on the planet, you see very little of him, hear very little from him. Mm. He's lived such a yeah, a classical uh kind of country soul lifestyle really out there on the, the property where is it like around Grafton or something before <laughs> yeah. it fucking burnt down. Uh, shaping his own boards, hanging out with your Ryan Birches and another mm. in that category of cosmic core lords yeah. who uh, just kind of whittle sticks and surf their fucking brains out. But yeah, he's remained such an unknown given how good he surfs. Mm. And Nat Young too. Fuck, man. Guy's still ripping. Are you kidding me? I don't mm. know how old Nat is these days, but man, oh, man. he has not lost much touch. Nah. And, uh, you know, I was just, just on Nat, little personal anecdote, uh, I was surfing at... Hey, get back on protection, you mark. Hey. We'll bleep that. We will bleep it, but uh, it was bizarre, man. I was surfing out there. It was about, I'm going to call eight foot sets, pretty solid. And it was just me, Nat, and Batty Trelaw, like when Batty was alive. I couldn't believe it. I was just sitting out there going, fuck, have I just, I've transported in the morning of the earth, man. I'm sitting out here with Nat Young, Batty Trelaw. They were on huge boards. It was a sort of a south swirl, which isn't particularly on point for this particular wave, but it was just a mind, mindgasm. Mind gone. Incredible. On your Batty. Number one. Skits flick alert, Vaughn. Yep. Couple more mind melters out on the interwebs at the moment. Uh, Quicksilver's new blockbuster, Repeater. Mm. Uh, Mikey Wright, undeniably the star of the show. His performance on that Irish slab Drop. is insane. Yes. Hey? Yeah, far out, man. Maybe his first crack at the slab, I, I think. That was like just on the smaller day, like yeah. straight out there, straight into it. Absolutely full send mode. Gets mm. the craziest double up. And. Yeah, it's amazing to see a surfer with that aggressive, mongrel attitude who wants it so bad, just wants to huck himself head first into the trough from the most unlikely positions and has the skill to pull it. I mean, it's easy to forget that a few short years ago, this guy was toweling up John John on the world tour mm. uh, and, and just completely brushed it to surf the waves he wants the way he wants. So refreshing oh, to, to see a top talent do that. Yeah, uh, I mean, D- Dane Reynolds probably paved the way for him both on Quicksilver at the time, I guess. But yeah, amazing that he, he's followed that kind of that path of Reynolds. And man, his surfing is unbelievable. Whether it's roping thick left slabs or steep deep knives on psycho right pits, mm. like the guy is a wizard in the chamber. Yeah. Uh, crazy punt game. Crazy calves, like yeah, yeah, right up in that convo with the best surfers. Oh man, I, I didn't realise how much I missed Mikey Wright until I started watching this movie. I was just going, "Where has he been?" I felt like you know when you are, it felt like a, an all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet after you haven't eaten for six months or something. I was just gorging Smithy, just until it's just so full and about to burst, but the froth. Levels were just so off tap because it just felt like I felt relieved in a way, you know, like just like you get home after the smorgasbord, you under your pants, your guts, like, like everything's just falling out. You're like, ah, yes, at last, some Mikey Wright. But 
again, man, like um, this is a really stylish film too. Like it's it's, it's showcasing a team that is fucking really. I, I don't know when this happened, but the quickie team's fucking. Oh, it's awesome. stacked. Let's just Griffin, go. This is so Cole good. Walsh. Yeah, yeah uh, crazy names. Uh, yeah, and also you know uh, Lungi's fucking epic in it. Uh, Mike in that, but the dedication to filmmaking, like Wade Carroll, Doff, huge Doff yeah, of the cap. It, it had an epic feel to it, didn't yeah. it? A great ambiance, uh, some of the, the tunes and just the, the in-between bits and then the various uh, yeah. modes of film that it was shot on. Yeah, really yeah, well, quality Anything film, dong with a, a half-decent computer, an iPhone and a, a music library can put together a clip. But, yeah, that, that sort of commitment to craft, style, substance – it's just something to be cherished. And, and you know, Wado's done Saturn, which was like fucking all time. That was like just such a, a epic moment for him and for the team. But Repeater, like, has put him on the threshold of, like, proper Lord status in that filmmaking realm, I reckon. You know, like, it, it's one thing to make films. It's another thing to do high-performance films that are fully designed to get you pumped. Mm. And so to, to, to walk that line of being able to do both stylishly and... Get you jacked. Like, fuck, that's cool. Uh, I think we're going to try and uh, have a sit-down with him soon and do something special with Wado because this one's a ripper. And, and like, you know, in, in the style, like, it stokes me out because Nosvid and Interlusion that Mikey Mal made and, oh, I don't know, like, you know, Wado, there, there's a bunch of Groms around who are sort of just picking up that mantle that Kai Nev and Taylor Steele and, and all those crew sort of basically brought us up with. You know, like our whole surfing experience wouldn't exist on the same level without those two guys. And it feels like we've got the baton passing to some pretty capable filmmakers here, Smith. Absolutely. Plus like uh, Beck and Ween on the soundtrack. Mm. Oh, sign me up, bro. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, some off-kilter selections from the Rhythm Selector. But (laughs) you made them fit. uh, That's really what makes surf films amazing, I think, is those really iconic tracks. Like, I remember being a kid, you know, you, you get your, your blowing ups, your three degrees, and yeah. they're turning you on to the sick tracks that mm. you never knew existed, that yeah. classic Fennick section, uh, or it was actually the, the Sean Fennick kind of section, I remember, to uh, that New Order track. Yeah. Just weird little tidbits like that that blow your mind as a grom and continue to kind of... Uh, blow your mind as an adult too because you're like oh I forgot that song mm. even exists and now I'm seeing it on this iconic surf film with the tenacious Mikey Wright yeah. just ripping the guts out of psycho freezing slabs yeah epic film highly recommend jumping over to the the YouTube channel the Quicksilver YouTube channel and just fully devouring all of Wade uh Wade and Mikey and Rollo and uh, yeah. Kale's kind of films. They, oh, they, Kale, big <laughs> shout out, big doff. Oh man, I tell you, kid is fucking like, monster. Mikey's the standout just for pure consistency. Like he's consistently steeper and deeper. Mm. Uh, he's consistently, you know, sticking pants and uh, you know just hacking the bejesus out of it. But Kale, man, when he hits it, it stays fucking here. That <laughs> psycho like backflip attempt uh, in West yeah. Oz is one of the best you'll see. Doesn't quite stick it. Just mm. a whisker away. Would have been the best one of all time. Nah. He gets the one at the big, thick right. Uh, and, it, yeah, it just really makes you... I don't know, pr- I don't know if pride's the word, but, like, these guys are really representing Australian surfing mm. in such an exceptional way. Like, yep. in waves that matter, in waves of conequence, dare I say it, yes, born, you may. They are the top of the pops. Truth. You know? they Truth, are just maybe. fucking sending it, knifing it, and making it. 
and hucking themselves into psycho yeah. rotations. And I just want to, uh, yeah, fuck, you, you're so on the money with that call, man. Like, there's nothing better. And it's, it happened with um, Bryce's movie. It's happened with Repeater. Happened for me with Nosvid and Interlusion. Like, real pride in these, not just the surfing performances, but the way that surfing's being conveyed. Uh, and this is, you know, like, I don't know. I, I love the, the Billabong video archive is, is sentimentally for me. That's my go-to. Like, like that's where I, I connect with the moments and the fucking magic of like my childhood and my experience of surfing. But the quickie movies were fucking pretty art house. A lot of them, man. Like, I don't know if you ever copped, um, one ten two forty or, uh, the Mondo extreme experiment or, all these quickie movies that came out, I think Brian Bleak made them, and they were fuck. Even Kelly Slater in Black and White, like real art house, mm. like a little edge to them. And I reckon they've they've really got the team and the director to to bring that era of Quicksilver movie back. And they're doing it. They're doing it. This is a ripper. This is five you out of you reckon they five just, out of five golden cone pieces from me, Smith. They've just sat way down in a cinema, pegged his eyeballs open and uh, yeah, Pavlov's dogged him. into his eyes and just forced <laughs> him to watch the full back catalogue of Brian Bleak. Yeah, yeah. They've just gone, they've just bleaked him out and uh, yeah, they've just forced him into that uh, Anthony Burgess clockwork orange, just full-blown Classical music, images of Slater, images of fucking madmen, and oh, it's just, yeah, sick. Well done. Well played. Doff. Man, and uh, a huge doff to how surfers get paid. Season two, episode one has just landed. The greatest surf stories ever sold, featuring Grant Twiggy Baker, uh, one of the goats in the big wave arena, the Saffa mm. psychopath. Um, Such a good profile on man. him. And, like, aside from the actual. Sort of, you know, th- the main thread of that story is obviously the snake, but, geez, that profile on Twiggy's enjoyable, isn't it? It was so fascinating. I mm. had no idea that, you know, didn't turn pro till he was 35 and, uh, you know, just had to beg, borrow, steal and sell a couple of surf spots to mm. basically make a living. Um, you know, considering all that he's achieved in professional surfing, like, it, it blows my mind that he's struggled for an earn for the majority of his career. Uh, basically relying on, on getting the paychecks from, you know, solid performances, wins in, in big wave events and, and XSL awards and stuff like that just to, to get from go to woe. Crazy hard graft existence, man. Mm. But it goes to show, like, you know, because he had that incentive there to perform, to get the money to then continue to travel and surf, like, his motivations were so pure and his commitment uh, because of those pure motivations was just – it just never wavered. Mm. And it just put him in the spot, he, like cosmically in the spot in a dozen or more of yeah. the most iconic moments in big wave surfing. And he fucking didn't miss out. Nah. He stuffed his face. He made his mark. One of the greats. And uh, then to find out uh, on, the, on the back of that, I mean, look, this is an incredible series. Mm. Like, shout out to Sam McIntosh, yeah. Barnsey, uh, the Stab team, because this is for sure the best surf series yeah. of all time. Yeah. Uh, I cannot get enough of them. And, yeah, Twiggy's story, uh, you know, just the, the dedication to finding spots, traveling Africa, the, the great... Uh, kind of unexplored region. I, I did used to trip out on that, going to South Africa, how few people surfed mm. there. I couldn't believe it. Mm. There's just no surfers in the joint. Mm. 
like uh and that's sadly because people don't have the means to be able to afford to surf it's the the continent is so mired in poverty and uh colonial hangover but yeah as a result so many unsurfed undiscovered waves Twiggy's got his finger on the pulse of mm. where they are and he's selling them to the highest bidder. <laughs> well played. Maybe not well played. I don't know. But that's the thrust of the episode. You've yeah. got to watch it. Oh, it's it's worth watching just for Twiggy's Jaws wave and the whole story behind it. And where, you know, you're saying right place, right time. Cosmic fucking just like that's a cosmic nightmare unfolding and he almost pulls it. One of the great rides in, in surf history. Oh, by it, far. Like, I, it's it's, it's number one for when me. When you watch it over and over and over, it just gets gnarlier and scarier and like more. It's just. Oh. It's, yeah. Go off of the cap twig. Mate. It's Doff so good. It's so good. Oh, let's relive it one more time. Boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've talked and frothed on this wave. A million uh, times. The, the, yeah. the little chip, but then the way it just draws and heaves like no wave in the history of Jaws has nah. broken like that that nah. I've seen. That thing. And even in the, the toe realm, I can't remember one that's uh, doubled up and harked as hard as nah. that thing. It nah. was so insane. Watching it live, you just were like, like, it was one of those days of like super long periods. And a, a typically strong offshore, but I just remember the periods being ludicrously long, and that mm. thing just stood up, stacked up, hucked, and the man, the legend. I mean, at that stage, probably in his early forties, yeah, as well. And like, just the free fall, like the way that he, he regathers on the board that's probably weighs more than a fucking most trucks. Like it's just probably more than him. Yeah, oh, he's a tiny, mate. diminutive little dude. Yeah, amazing. And the only other way of like, and you know. That I've seen that even comes close to it, which it's is that one in um, Cloudbreak that you know, caught everyone in, on the well, not that oh, one, but yeah. the one that I was there for, where I because you know it was a whole different experience because I was obviously right there, hearing it, seeing it, feeling it. But uh, that one, you know, there was no entry point, there was no chip shot. It it folded in half so far around the corner that there was just it was like one of those ones that you see on a shorey. You know where there's just, it's just it's just too thick, and um, yeah, that's that's well worth checking out. That series is fucking worth the twelve dollars ninety five admission or whatever stat premium costs yeah. for sure. How's the idea of of chipping into something and seeing a section like that, knowing that you're gonna go into the bowels of that? Like that's what he knew he was about to undertake, yeah. and he sent it. I, I just can't fathom that. Like the mentality, the commitment. To 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 see that the lump and the thickness of that next section, yeah. and there's just this little moment in time, and it needs to be one hundred and one percent commitment to that yep. moment and what you're about to do. Unbelievable! It's unbelievable. Oh, go the twist. Woo! Good news, man. This whole app is going to be on YouTube. Oh, how good's that? Woo! You can stare at our lemon spreads in between 
busting ghost loads on your yeah. red tube tabs. You can flick on over to the swellings for a laugh and a watch us hit the better beers up the crew. Ah, back sheesh <sighs> and um, billabong. Also supporting these apps, so on you the up bong, the bongers, up the bong. bongers, and some better beers. What could be better than that? <laughs> so uh, yeah, hit the uh, YouTube because we're gonna start cranking them out. Smithy's already got all the interviews. Fuck, mate, you've got some bell ringers in there at the moment. You got Tom D'Souza. That was sick. Thanks for that. I, mm. I just listened on the way here. Unbelievable. Uh, the Clevo Wado oh, one. Wado hasn't gone live yet, so oh, that one's about to go live on up. YouTube. Come face to face with the. Oh, like he's one of the greatest core mm. lord, cone fiend, kingpins. Yeah. And uh, ever come out of South Sydney or the Senator Southern Senator Peter Wish Wilson. That's right. He's up there. Uh, and uh, we got the old Jerry Lopez up there. Oh, and, and Stacey Peralta. Go check it out. Check it out, Swellians. Hedgy. Vaughn, uh, speaking of cloud break. Yep. Could be back on the wars. Oh, about time. That's Ways the, of truth. Yep. We've been answered. Our prayers have been answered. Yeah. Uh, interesting to note, you know, ELO walks the plank. Neck minute. One of the greatest waves in the history of professional surfing. Back on tour. Yeah, needed to be. You do the math. But I think this goes to the heart of what I think surfing needs to be as a product. Mm. Uh, and, and that is something with an element of risk and danger. Like, uh, maybe I'm biased from the sporting culture that we come from in Australia where, you know, essentially it's it's – I grew up in a world where it's either rugby league or boxing, mm. and now UFC. Like it, it's combat sports with serious physical and mental consequences mm. when you lose. And I want to see my professional athletes risking it for the biscuit. Yeah, uh, I want to see like the potential for injury. I don't want to see injuries. No, but like like that's what makes these sports captivating, right? That's mm. what why combat sports are. Uh, so popular is because it's incredible skill and athleticism and, and so much uh, technique and generally like the injuries are you know they're they happen a like minority of the time but they are what make it mate fascinating it, viewing gripping viewing it's not just that it's the the level of skill like yeah okay look Felipe Toledo everyone loves him in zero to eight foot waves but no one respects him as a world champion in anything above that because he hasn't embraced that level of skill that he's got in waves that mean something to most people. So, like, to articulate that a bit better, he's got the skills, but where's the fucking heart, Smivy? Mm. And that's the problem. Like, you know, Owen Wright will forever live as an immortal for people. Like... Two perfect tens at Cloudbreak in bombing, crazy, monstro fucking tubular orbs. Backs it up with a Chopes win. Even his, like, you know, small wave wins come with this hectic dark side, you know, like of, of, of having to come from a place where he couldn't even walk. Like, there's so much grit in there. Mm. that you, you And the grit really has to come from challenging – like, it can't just come from – I surf these waves well. It's got to come from some sort of personal challenge or some sort of conquest that is demanded because of the com- the conditions. And that's where the tour is getting it so wrong. Yeah. Like, man, it needs it back. Like, J-Bay 
One day of waves. We spoke about it during that last Eps movie. One day of waves, you can't hang your hat on an entire year of competition on that one day. You've got to have these these surfers testing their skill at the absolute highest level. And you can't do that in three-foot surf. You, you can't. can't do it in five-foot surf. You can only do it in eight-foot surf on fucking bone-shattering reef. That's so true. And, and what you said about not being able to respect Phil because of his... Uh, lack of courage in serious waves. I have that same problem with professional tour surfing in general. I, mm. I, I struggle to respect the product because it, it, it's just not risky enough, not mm. technical enough. There's not enough uh, danger and, and courage. And th- that's really, I think, one of the the real appeals of sport in general is just seeing people put under the absolute pressure of having to perform in in front of huge crowds, yep. I guess that's one aspect of it. But also just in serious situations where you know you have to put your skill up against yep. uh, the potential of serious injury. So yeah, the, well, don't get me wrong. Like I love the skill of Phil. Like we all do. Like right, you fucking you watch him at J Bay. Like you, you you're completely mind melted. But <laughs> the pocket corn exists, mate. That little asterisk. It just it just what it does is. What he should be and what he actually is, there's a there's just that little gap. And that gap for a world champion is a bit hard for people to swallow. And they can't swallow it if the product won't allow him to be tested properly. You know what I mean? You can't. Mm. How do you swallow it? You can't. No, you can't. I mean, asterixes are famously seed, hard but. to swallow. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Pokey, pocket little things. Yeah, true. So, yeah, bringing cloud break is a... Massive step. Yes, in the, in the right, right direction. direction. But, but what do you... Okay, look. What's a perfect tour look like to you, Smithy? Because uh, I was thinking Snapper. Like, Snapper is a great place to start the year. I, I kind of agree with Bugs on this. He loves that as, a, as an opening platform. And I do too, especially with crossover heats where you're not just watching, you know, 15 minutes of perfect sets coming, everyone out of position. I don't but mind I don't, Snapper, but I it, like it, it. it's a little bit on the playful side of the spectrum well, for me. get rid of all that Central American stuff and just go to Snapper. Yeah. Like if when you're going to do it, go to Snapper. Uh, I extend agree. the waiting period, put it in cyclone season and fucking watch yeah. it go. Like, when it goes at Kira, it's all time. And they can manufacture the bank. So, like, you're not having to worry about holes in the bank or any of that shit. Like, you get the right swell, it's going to be cranking. Uh, I reckon... It's hard to not have bells in there just because of the tradition of it. But then, after that, scrap everything, bar and chopes, J-Bay and Cloudies and Pipe. Yeah. And just start fucking opening the door to some proper chambers, man. Yeah, it has to be. That's the jewel of surfing, mm. and it is the one thing that the world to us just can't even buy, really, is a solid pit at the moment. So, yeah, it's got to go back there. It's going back to cloud break. We hope that's the rumour. The WSL, according to Stab, is reportedly asking the Fijian government for a figure around $1 million USD. Uh, this is in exchange for the marketing exposure that a CT event would bring. Spearheading negotiations is the business savvy Andrew Stark, Vaughan Starkey. Uh, he's a heavy hitter in the administrative realm. Uh, yeah, and Stark, he's a forerunner for the WSL's new CEO. Uh, he's currently serving as the general manager. That's an interesting one. Starkey as the was CEO, the new CEO. Uh, 
And just for reference, Stab says the biggest government spend on any WSL contest is the Margaret River CT, where the West Australian government puts up over $1 million per year to the pre- to be the presenting partner. ASP founder Ian Cairns estimated the cost of running a tour event to be anywhere between 3 to $5 million USD. Uh, that, that includes the cost of judges, staff, permits, insurance, etc. Three to five mil to run a world tour event. Uh, as we understand it, the WSL has managed to cut down some of these event costs in recent years while still providing a premium product and service. But running an event of this magnitude would almost certainly cost more than the million dollars mm. they're asking of Fiji. <sighs> Three to five mil. To run a world tour event, mm. Mm. it's costly. It's a costly exercise. You wonder how they can strip some of the costs out of it. Jeez, I don't man. think they can. Yeah, it's a hard one. I don't know. It's they, like, look, whenever I hear those numbers getting bandied about, like you know, in our world, Smithy, it sounds like a lot. But to people who own a super yacht, it's not even their the cost of their fuel to get from like you know one Mediterranean port to the next. So. Maybe we've got to stop looking for uh, these benefactors in the United States and start heading to the Mediterranean and the Middle East because uh, that's where the coin is, Smivy. And then uh, you don't even have to worry about the budget on these uh, world tour events. And I don't know, I kind of like the idea of Starkey. You know, this is a guy who surfed YME the day after the Eddie. He's, he's in the mould of those, you know, big, burly bullish kind of administrators who uh, gets it done hell or high water. I know he uh, he can ruffle a few feathers here and there, but what is it? You can't bake a cake without cracking a few eggs or something like that. It's, uh, no, what is it? You can't, can't make an omelette without cracking a few eggs. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the future of this tour looks like, but it's got to start with waves of truth. The product has to be good. If the product's good, I don't think three to five mil is that expensive to put on an event. There's only fucking... You only need eight to ten of them in a year. And you've got four or five waves there that are just must-haves that are already all the back-end processing has been done. So why not just fucking roll up the sleeves and fucking go to a few new places and just start the conversation at least? Mm, Is it that much, dude? Is it actually that much? The question is... It doesn't seem like... I mean, fucking golf and tennis tournaments give away a third of that as prize money. Yeah, but... That's because they have amazing broadcast rights and, and, and the broadcast product is so sellable. You know, mm. it takes place at a, a certain tempo. There's a certain amount of action per half an hour, whereas surfing, you got fucking two cunts sitting there for 40 minutes yeah. half the time. Yeah, yeah. There's about five waves written. So you got that problem. And, you know, this is what David Gingell, the ITN club president, yep. said many years ago. We've said We've it many times on, on the show. We've got to call towards him heavily. Yeah. Ginge, uh, come on, bro. Yeah, Channel 9 CEO, he said surfing will never be a televised sport for this exact reason. But, you know, that that doesn't apply when you're in waves of truth. So if, if they want to get the broadcast deals and the broadcast rights and, and, and you know, you get these hundreds of million dollar deals that most mainstream sports have, mm. it is about going to fucking psycho slabs and, and, and putting the world's yeah. best in those situations. And, you know, there's enough. Product above all else, man. It's, it's the simplest thing. You said it. Way back in the day, man, and uh, like I know it's a it's a line that is taken from Rabbit, Rabbit's time as ASP president. But best surfers, best waves mm. is the product. It's such an easy one to to wrap your head around. 
the sales pitch is all there in four words or five words. How about what a fucking how many words are in that sentence? Best serves best four words. Yeah, like easy man. Like not Porto Escondido, best surfers in France, sloppy fucking Shark four Island, foot right handers. The like there's so many waves that are fully yeah. blown out that I'm happy to sacrifice for the good of yeah. the was. Get Cloudy's back. It's a step in the right direction. Vaughn Led Hamilton. He's no cool. <laughs> He's bourgeois, bro. I couldn't believe it when I saw this in your notes. Unbelievable. Uh, this yeah. is according to a new interview with Forbes magazine. Uh, via Beach Grit. Even Forbes uh, announcing this is is not a good sign for, for Lady Boy. Uh, it's not. His uh, stocks are going way down in the core stakes and way, way up. up in the uh, financial reality mm. stakes. He's fucking killing well, it. Well, even his interview in uh, in uh, How Surfers Get Paid in, in front of his just, you know, stonewashed <laughs> white Malibu mansion. Yeah. Whew. So, uh, Led had this to say to Forbes. He said the best thing he ever ate was... Unforgettably delicious foie gras from a restaurant <laughs> in Bordeaux. <laughs> well played, lad. Oh, dear. Uh, he typically flies first or business class. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Good size. Good for some. His favourite piece of luggage is a Yves Saint Laurent carry-on. He always brings Viennese lip balm, radical moisturiser. Jeez, he did look good and supple, didn't he? Despite didn't he? decades of weather-beaten sun damage. Mm. Whipping around in freaking ski boots on hydrofoil sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how does he look that good? He's, he's got to be on the stem cells as well. I mean, is he? what else is he tapping yeah. into? Just just moisturiser, mate. It's not that hard. Mm. Uh, moisturiser made of, of baby foreskin. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I think, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, grown in a Tijuana. <laughs> it's Petri dishes. Uh, something like that. Yeah, but the yeah. legal stem cell industry is thriving in Mexico. No, isn't it? Um, yeah, a luxury pillow, uh, macadamia nuts, which are the most expensive nut in the world, he tells mm. us. So, yeah, I mean, what do we make of this lead? Has he uh, gone off an abyss of mainstream capitalist sellout nonsense? Or is he still the, the core strapped legend, Jaws pioneer, millennium wave, <laughs> madman oh, of your... Jeez, did you... I've, I don't know if I ever didn't think, and this might just be uh, because I was a young, impressionable mind when I first saw North Shore and his Lance Burkhart character, but I've just always had a little bit of a rub the wrong way with lead. Mm, the writing was on the wall yeah, early, just, wasn't just it, when you maybe, put it like that? you know what I mean? Like, you just, it was a hard character to get behind, Lance. Mm, and uh, Larry body paint costume. Yeah, just, me? yeah. He's, even his ads back in the day in, in old surfer mags, you know, just ripped to pieces. Holding like a, a, a tail of a, a weird sort of tribal printed gun in front of his bits. Just, I just never sat with me all that well. Millennial wave, sure, that was that was a moment. But uh, you know, even still, eh, I don't know. Don't know if I gel with lead all that much. Under, under, it's a big under. But you know, he could be the next WSL CEO. So let's see how we go. I mean, stranger things have happened. Mm. Yeah, well, in that case, I, for one, welcome our new overlord. But uh, <laughs> Moving right along, Vaughan. Kalar Grace reveals all in a tell-all with Stab mm. uh, following that near-fatal pipe wipe out of the backdoor oh. shootout. Well, yeah, this is what he's got to say. Uh, Thank God they're the best water patrol in the world. 
One of them told me that there's normally only one jet ski in the water at any given time, but for some reason, at that moment, there were two in the water. Noland was super on it. That's uh, one of the ski drivers. He remembers me giving him the okay, and then he remembers seeing me not come up. So Kamalani Ahui, that's uh, Uncle Terry's son, Dahui, yep. founder, mm. one of, uh, and, and who started the uh, water patrol in Hawaii. So Kamalani jumped off to grab me, but since the current's so strong, it ripped him right past me. Nolan's seen that, and he's whipped it right back and jumped straight off onto me, and then the other jet ski picked us up and threw us on the sled. I wasn't breathing. They brought me straight in and did CPR. They said it was the most water they'd ever seen come out of somebody, which is wild, because imagine oh. how many people they're fishing out oh, on a regular. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that would have been not a good scene for those guys, too. Nuts, they're mate, tight mate. Uh, from there, it was straight in the ambulance. You're not actually supposed to have people ride with you in the ambulance, but Billy Kemper jumped in, who's like an older brother to me. I don't think anybody would have told him to get out at that point. He told me that I flatlined twice in the ambulance, one on the freeway, one right as we pulled up to the hospital. He said that was some of the scariest things he's ever seen. Fuck, hence why they don't allow people in the ambo. Mm. Fucking hell. But maybe he could sense his presence and uh, pulled through. Because, fuck, it's... Oh, man. Just mm. give me the heebie-jeebies. So thank God for Billy. He's so knowledgeable about water safety and all that stuff. He was actually a really big part of my recovery all the way through. He's like my older brother. I can call him at any time about anything. So thank God for Billy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first three months was, se- was seeing brain doctor after brain doctor after brain doctor until I started feeling better on my own. Then it was just making sure I was working out, getting my physical health back on track because I was non-active for a few months. With the concussion, there's a lot of symptoms that come with it. One of them was depression. So for sure, the first few months when I couldn't surf or work out or drive a car, for sure there was an identity crisis. I would even tell my friends like, wow, what if I can never surf pipe again? Mm. Or I would be sitting in a dark room thinking, am I just going to be a nobody next winter? I had all these crazy thoughts. But now that I'm out of that position and because of my friends and family, I've realized it really don't matter whether I can surf pipe or not. That's interesting. That's really, really interesting. To get to that point where it doesn't matter, where you can walk away from it Sean Briley style and just take up a new hobby. Yeah, man. Yeah, I I find that whole passage fascinating, mate. Like the, just with a lot of the conversations that you've been having lately on Core Lords and just wrapping your identity up with what you do and and it's such a, it's such a disconnect from, you know, how life existed for millions of years. Like no one really, I'm sure like in, in every facet of, of human existence, there have been people who have been good at things and they get lauded for that. But mostly you're just existing as a part of a community, as one piece in a puzzle that has to function as a, an organism for that, for that, you know, community to work properly. And uh, the, the further we've gotten into the society that we live in now and the systems and the structures that we have, that sense of self is so tied into what you do, what you achieve, all these other things. And fuck, man, like, it's, it leaves you with nothing when you get stripped back on, on, a, on a level like this for Kalar, on a level like Owen Wright. His book's just come out, by the way, which we'll, we'll get to dive mm. into uh, in another episode. But... You know, nothing will tear you back to reality like fucking a major injury or being, you know, I don't know, 
even fired or broken up with or like all these different things that can happen. And they just like, you don't know who you are anymore. Like all these things that you attached importance to and your sense of self to. And uh, this was one of the great things in your uh, chat with Tom D'Souza, you know, he's like, he's like, when you stop taking drugs, the identity that you formed around that culture and that clique and your place in it is no less important than the identity that you form when you're ripping at a job or if you're a good surfer at Pipeline or any of that. And so to go right back to square one and try and figure out what's important and, and what means something to you, that is a huge, huge journey, man. And that's amazing just like going through that little passage there of him going, I'm sitting in a dark room going, "What? who am I if I, if I can't surf pipe? Mm. To, fuck, man, I'm so happy I'm alive. I'm so happy I've got my friends and family. Like how that, that's just a metaphor for modern life and where we've all gone so wrong, Smithy. Mm. It's a massive journey to be undertaking at that mm. age too, but it, it's Big a really one, yeah. healthy realisation to have so good. Uh, at that age. Uh, I mean, uh, early 20s, yeah, like the, the 20s are such a wild time, particularly for men with our tiny pea-sized <laughs> prefrontal cortex. No risk assessment. Does it ever get bigger? I don't think it does. Uh, I think around about 25, I know, mid to late 20s, we start to develop and understand that there's long-term consequences for the risk-taking behaviour. And, uh, I mean, that's why all combat sports and wars and generally, like, psycho-surfing shenanigans are undertaken by young men because we don't yet understand the full consequences of of what we're doing. Mm. Uh, And you don't see women engaging in this kind of behaviour generally because their their prefrontal cortex is fully formed at Mm. a younger age. So... um, yeah, super interesting. What you were saying too about uh, just this this idea of uh, you know once upon a time millions for millions of years it was all about survival, mm. uh, and it's like it goes back to that kind of saying of James Graham, the league player, that what gives us meaning in life. Uh, what pulls us through life is things that often have the potential to kill us, mm. and. Maybe that is because we crave being in a, a state of survival. Maybe like that purpose, that that meaning that that have, just having to survive. Yeah. Um, you know that focuses the mind. It it kills rumination, mm. uh, and, and and you're just focused on surviving a dangerous situation that yeah you have chosen but i mean for millions of years we existed in a state of constant peril we'd wake up and we've still got the biological hangover from that we wake up we have this big cortisol spike because we're like fuck yeah is there a giant lizard trying to eat me and uh Mm. that's no longer the case but we have that that same those same instincts and maybe surfing pipeline and chopes and playing rugby league and jumping in an octagon are all just symptoms uh, of that survival instinct. That said, spend too long in that that survival state, and you get very fucking Ooh, ill. Like yeah. you know, your central nervous system is not built for that. But maybe it is if you are existing in that survival state and then taking the time out to then be in nature mm. and, and let your body reach stasis as opposed yeah. to being in that survival state at massive tropes and then fucking doom scrolling for seven hours afterwards. Right. Uh, you never give yourself a rest. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's fascinating, man. I, I can remember being about the same age and uh, yeah, it was super interesting coming from a life of... Where, where violence and thuggery 
were like just par for the course. Mm. And, uh, you know, all of my, I'd built an entire social network around that. And it was about survival. Like my mates were psychos, but I needed those people so I didn't get picked on or bullied. Mm. Um, but then being friends with them uh, opened you up to a whole new world of, of, of psycho behavior because, mm. you know, their beefs became yours and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, I got the job at Stab Magazine and I was – Reminiscing on this the other day, for those first two years I was I was working at Stab, the only two years I was really a, a full time employee there, I was mm. still playing A grade rugby league for mm. Bondi United in the South Sydney competition, which is fucking skitty. Mm. And like that was my first window into the fact that the identity I had built around me, purely out of survival and necessity, was completely at odds with how most of the world functioned. Mm. And from that point on, from 22, 23 onwards, I spent the next 10 years trying to be a different person. I lost those friends. I moved away from where I grew up. Yep. I stopped playing fucking combat sports. I never trained in boxing or fighting again because I didn't even want that to be an option for yep. me when conflicts came up. And it, it took me like, like really, uh, oh, how long? like at least seven or eight years before I made any serious changes. Like I still mm. had that wiring was so deep in me, uh, but it, I, it wasn't until I came across the tools to, to actually um, change my biology and central nervous system out of that, mm. that wiring and that state of survival that I made major steps in the direction of, of not being that person because mm. that identity was, was so strong in me. Oh man, I, I don't... Yeah, it's it's mate. It's a hard it's a hard path. And what, he's, he's, what he's, hope, he's walking down. Yeah, and like, uh, like even understanding that, you know, like consciously that your identity is a construct. You know, like that it's been informed by so many different things and so many different. It took until twenty years to realize people that really, and experience like, and all that yeah. stuff and. To take it away is fucking terrifying, bro. Even if you're doing it yourself, like you said, if you're you're introduced to a new world, you start to delaminate from your identity in this past world. That's terrifying because you're 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 leaving a comfort zone. You're leaving a place where you yeah. feel good and, and like, you and, and you, where have you status, know you have who status you are. in that exactly. world, and you step exactly. into this new world, yeah. and they don't want to know you because you're you're from the other world, and you're wiring your language, your accent, exactly. your your yeah. behavioral modes, like everything uh, it, it can, about can you be, is from a different world, and that, and it that, can con conflict instantly, and then your place in that world feels unsettled and uncertain, and then that leads to a whole raft of new experiences emotionally that you're not even ready for a lot a of anxiety man. a lot of alienation a lot of yep. you know struggle for, for meaning and, and purpose um you know i'm just say you know look at kalar now like say he he can't surf pipe anymore yeah. so but so mate fucking yeah brah because fucking this is the shit that people need to know like your identity it's just a fucking construct. Like it, it's, it's a product important. of like your upbringing, it, your environment, you, like all these things. Yeah, but you, you can you can reform it. It's malleable. You can transform. You can you can make your identity whatever you need it to be for you. But you don't have to attach that like importance to it in the way that it it identifies who you are and and like the way that people see you. I don't think like it's more like you. You just need it to be something that you're comfortable with, especially if you're comfortable with 
doing the work and changing in a way that's going to benefit you and then as a byproduct, the people around you as well. Mm. That's what I love about where we're at. Mm. But we get to share moments and experiences and fucking realisations like this because we've been through it already. Mm. It's a nice feeling, man. It is. It feels is. feels good. Yeah, totally. And, you know, you can't think your way into that new identity, I don't think. Like, mm. I think uh, the, there's certain tools that you need to, to make yourself at peace with this new identity or, or lack of an identity, I mm. should say, that, that you're starting to create. And for me, it was like the tools initially, I didn't have any. Mm. It was psychedelics, like LSD and yeah. mushrooms. and changing and, the programming. Yeah, and, and as soon as I started dabbling in, in, in those and, you know, with really pretty unpleasant circumstances, man, like there mm. was, it was brutal. When I was realizing uh, who I was and, and some of the things I'd done to people and like, man, it was fucking awful and mm. harrowing. But it also opened me up to this understanding that like, yeah, like try everything. Try it all. Mm. Why not? Like, just, it doesn't matter. Like, like fucking doing kundalini breathing exercises at some yoga studio in Bali. Like, fucking, like, I don't know. Like, th- there was endless situations that I just, like, threw myself into. Like, you know, ha- hanging out at squats in Madrid. Mm. Uh, you know, just walking around fucking Europe on my own for five months. <laughs> like, 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 yeah. like, whatever. You know, it, it, th- that was such an important phase. That, that kind of wandering this lonely wandering Little connecting with other drifters Little grasshopper just doing his thing. Yeah. And just Searching figuring it out. out. Like wisdom. you don't know who you want to be, but you know, you, you don't want to be who you were. That's yeah. all you know. Yeah. And so like the, the next few years is a process of figuring out what it is that fits, uh, that, that's a, a lot safer, healthier, mm. happier, more responsible. And eventually at a certain point, spiritual in the sense yeah. of like, you know, what makes me a, a decent or, or a valuable, for lack of a better word, person to have in a community mm. or as a friend or a, a family member. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, like a lot of the time taking risks with your, your health is not really a spiritual mm. thing. That's not enhancing your value to the people around you. That That's really, really opening up the potential of you becoming a, a serious burden for them mm. if you become sick or ill or uh, not that those people are burdens <coughs> but you know what I mean like fuck no no man. I know what you mean if yeah, someone exactly. has to take care of you full time like yeah th- that's an issue yeah it is so a massive uh, over yeah. for what a Kawhi journey and the journey is about to embark yeah, on feel, it I feel pride I feel proud of him like I feel uh, stoked for him that he's you know of all that fucking radical shit that went down and for all the fear that people had for him, he's respected that by going on this journey and getting to the place where he's at. You know, the biggest disrespect would have been to only think, can I surf pipe again? Because all that fear and all that worry that everyone had for him, like that's the last thing they're thinking, fucking I hope he gets back out there. They're going, nah, man, fucking take it easy. Take your foot off the gas. Like live, just fucking appreciate. Like be present with us like just be alive you know yeah and uh that's that's deeply like i feel a lot of happiness for that realization that's that's deep respect for what he went through mm. and we often laud you know the big wave theatrics and yeah and, and craziness oh, well, of we must. The, the elite pro surfers <laughs> but at the end of the day like 
I'm not at any point saying it makes them a better person than the average no. Joe fucking delivering the milk or bread or like I, I don't see the world like that. I, I, I applaud their theatrics because yeah. I wouldn't want to do it and I find it so fascinating to watch and to pick apart the, the psychology behind mm. it all. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you weigh it up, between the, the fucking monk with the bald head uh, in some monastery who's always smiling and happy and sharing his energy versus the the big wave hero who doesn't have time for mm. anyone unless they're a fellow big wave hero. Like, who, who's the person you ultimately respect mm. more? It's definitely the fucking monk, right? Mm. That's my take. Borne, a really quick doff of the cap. Yep. Uh, just to a parallel sport and some incredible strike action that's unfolding. And uh, we've got a few oh. professional rugby league players that listen to the podcast. But there's an amazing thing happening in Australian sport right now that I've never seen before. I've never seen it in, in world sport. Mm. Uh, basically, the professional rugby league players are striking for better conditions mm. for the players um, and a whole raft of like really logical rational uh, requirements for mm. them to continue playing and performing like the media roles yeah. and, and whatever else. And it's just a, a fascinating social experiment of sorts where we're seeing this like super high profile sport with these high paid players. It couldn't be bigger in this country and they're just not playing ball. Yeah. They're just flatly saying, nah, like we're not going to talk to the media. Like every player, like full-blown solidarity that they're, they're taping up. What were they taping up? Yeah, like the, the logo, logo. The NRL logo. It's, a, it's like a big, gross tan sticker on their jerseys. Yeah. And it's like a, the best thing is, and uh, you'll, you'll love this, Smithy, uh, you know how um, mainstream media, like if you're, if you're looking for unity, if you're looking for brotherhood, the first place you can rely on to give you that brotherhood, to sell your message, to get in bed with the working class and, and you know, band around and get the result that you need is the mainstream media. And haven't they just fucking dropped the ball as usual? Mate, the amount of reporting going on, like just absolutely chastising the union, or not the union, but the, the Players Association. No, this is the union. Absolutely. That's the union. Yeah, yeah. but ripping into, ripping into the idea that they could stand up together as one against an organisation that's just a giant fucking business, that, you know, that, that should have all of their best interests at heart. And um, it's just, like, for me, looking at things like Murdoch papers and just mainstream press going, well, what next? Are they going to actually fucking join a union? Good luck. Like, the RLPA is funded by the fucking NRL. Like, not to get too deep into it. But just how fearful they are of fucking just a community. Strike action. Boycotts. How like, fearful they are of the uh, of the message it sends. That's that's exactly, the fear, man. Exactly. Yeah. This is why I brought it up. Because this isn't about rugby league. What this nah. is, is the absolute perfect playbook of how to get your way as as mm. a, a working mass, as a working collective. And full credit to the, the rugby league players. I mean, yeah. it's a working class game. Uh, always has been. And uh, the way they've gone about this is simply beautiful. And the way they've gone about it is like this. They have union representatives who are ex-players, who are, you know, hard out fucking... Like, it's a hard game. Yeah. It's a tough game. Guys like, who have fucking been bashed and beaten and left for fucking... And gone to war. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, you can trust those people because, like, they've had your back in these tough times. There's a, a code and an ethic and a morality that 
comes with just playing that game alone. So you've got ex-players as the union leaders. Mm. And then you have podcasts, right? So the mainstream media can say whatever the fuck it wants. But at the end of the day, you've got also this whole tier of ex-players running podcasts who, of course, are completely on side with the union because the union... The, what the union wants is completely reasonable. Mm. And so you have this, like, the simulation is in full effect at the moment. Like, the mainstream media is pushing this narrative that no one's buying. Yeah. Um, and that's that's happening across the board. That's not just in this this case. Like, you know, I, I saw a line in, um, in might have been in fucking Succession or one of those shows that, you know, have kind of been ripping the, the lid off just how fucking the bourgeois elite just how self-interested everything is. And um, the line was something like, uh, ah, hang on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, selling to angry old white people is not the way of the future. You know, like it, it it's not sustainable anymore because that audience, and as much as you try and twist people who are getting older uh, who might want, be leaning towards being more self-interested, like that way is on the way out, man. Because the just just the amount of media out there, the amount of information that you can access without having to go through a fucking newspaper or a radio station, that's changing the game. That's where this platform exists. Yeah, like that. Like you know, you would you would have heard it on the um the Joe Rogan interview with uh, Robbie Kennedy, where he's like, "Mate, this is a podcast election. This this is going to change yeah. the way We're there. everyone gets the their gate- information. The gatekeepers are gone. Yeah. The old media models uh, a total write off." And right now, in rug- in the the case of rugby league, we're seeing the the picture perfect way of workers mm. getting together with really cl- clear lines of communication, both with their union leaders yep. and with the public. And that's where the narrative is is true, and it's holding tight. And we all we're all on board here. Mm. I, I want the the footballers that listen to this program to know the the public is okay, fully we're behind you, boys and, uh, and girls. I back. All fucking yeah. worker collective strike action, like you know, it, it's happening yeah. all across the globe. And do not Amazon believe factory workers. Like it, it's yeah, yeah you, it, you, it's you, on you, for young and old. Keep doing it. Keep don't going. fall into the trap of believing the mainstream fucking fear mongering, man. That is just pure self interest at its absolute worst. Ask us a question. We'll tell you no lie. Put out there because we haven't done a regular app for a while, and I think even the last couple of regular apps we did weren't doing asking us a question in them. So I put it out there, mate. We've had over 200, 200 questions come in, like from fucking on the the Instagram grid, on uh, Facey, on fucking stories. Like it's, there's just too many. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna answer one question right now, just the one, and then uh, we're gonna come back together in a couple of days and do a, a full ATS Swellians versus Deadly and Smithy special. What do you reckon? Oh, unreal. Give us your chosen one. All right, Smivy. So um, our question is from a swelliette, and uh, her name is Donna Butcher. This is Donna. Is the, uh, the Instagram handle. And she's a water woman, a lover, a mother, a healer, and a space holder. So very in tune with uh, our view of the world, mate. And uh, Donna wants to know this. Something my husband and I have been debating over lately is what on earth is a frontside barrel ride called if you don't own some beef? AKA, if you're a woman, UTFS. Now, Mm. you may recall 
that uh, we had Chris in the front side tube as rinsing corned beef. Mm. Uh, made sense, but washing the cod piece. We forgot to we forgot to uh, bring the swelliettes mm. into this. And uh, what 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 suggestions do you have for rinsing corned beef if there's no beef there? Yeah, jeez, uh, washing the clam. <laughs> Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? 